Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, it's Thursday. We have some great show for you today uh, in the studio with us. We have a com- two common sense Democrats. We have Judge Richard Weinberg and Governor David Patterson and a common sense Republican who may be a little bit tired. He just finished coming back from the Nixon Library. Uh, we 50th have- anniversary of the return of the POWs. Oh, how well, beautiful. Wow. Cox, how uh, beautiful. What was it? At the Nixon Library? At the Nixon Library. That was at Yorba Linda, California. Took the red eye back after. Wow. What a treat. That must have been just so emotional. Uh, yeah, well, oh, Trisha was there at the original homecoming. So wow. There- and Go- Governor Patterson, happy birthday. I understand you had a big birthday party on Friday. And it was black tie. Uh, required. Required, and uh, I'm not going to ask how old you are. He looks great for 21. He looks great. <laughs> he looks great for 21. <laughs> Fabulous. Someone um, passed me in the street the other day and said, you know, I swear you look younger now than you did when you were governor. And I told him that's because when I wake up now, everything's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Governor Patterson, uh, give us a status at a casino. I understand you're working in a casino for uh, Nassau County with the Sands Hotel. Well, the the uh, all of the companies that are bidding are still waiting for the deadline for uh, by which we would actually start the bidding process. But uh, we were able to uh, convince the Nassau County Legislature to um, approve a lease sale from the former owner of the Nassau Coliseum. This is a totally blighted area that was wonderful back in the seventies, and then promises were made that weren't kept and. And hopes were raised that weren't fulfilled. And what we'd like to do, if we were fortunate enough to get one of those licenses, is to build an integrated resort there. Uh, Sands doesn't build just casinos. It's always in connection with hotels and eating places and well, other that would things. Be a, uh, that'd be a beautiful, valuable asset for Nassau County. But Nassau County is all Republican, and the Democrats have to vote for it. Well, the Democrats and the Republicans voted for it. The vote was 17 to 1. I'm talking about the boss, Albany. Well, the boss, uh, when I was governor and I led a commission to pick pick something, I stayed away from it because it's now, a wait, violation. Wait, wait, wait. But I called you a common sense Democrat. Doesn't mean that's what <laughs> the, we have now. What, is the common sense Democrats? Yeah. Well, <laughs> what, what I'm saying is <laughs> I could see a Democrat uh, putting... Uh, I I think who's running the actual um, political area no. w- will not factor into who wins the casino. That's what I'm saying. All right. Well, Rita, I understand we have a special guest on. Yeah, we do. We have Curtis Leggett. Uh He is the president and CEO of the National Association of Broadcasters. And, John, uh, big news, of course, as you know all too well, you spearheaded this effort uh, to keep AM radio. You put the ad out, I of course. I was mad as hell, and I couldn't take it anymore. And I'm glad you were, because everybody in radio is thankful that you were, because now Ford has said uh, that they will indeed keep AM in their future cars. What about the... 
I, I, I told them it was a choice of that or turning into Anheuser-Busch and have their stock for $5 billion. So I think they said, let's <laughs> listen to John Katsimatidis. That's what I think they decided. Uh, Curtis, what are your thoughts about all this? Uh, at least it seems to be heading in the right direction. Well, thank you for having me on the show. And, and John, just want to echo Rita's comments. Uh, thank you for your leadership on this issue. And, you know, we, we were thrilled at, at Ford's announcement yesterday that they're that they're reversing course on this decision. They're going to be preserving AM in the automobile. But I think the fight here really is just starting. You know, there are several other major automakers that just have been tight-lipped about what their plans are. And General so Motors, we're going to be working uh, with legislators in Washington to put some pressure on them. My son had uh, dinner uh, on uh Wednesday night, Tuesday, Tuesday night, I lose Tuesday. track. Tuesday yeah, big, night. that was a big night. And uh, 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 Senator Cruz was there, Ted Cruz. And Ted yeah, Cruz uh, said to my son that it looks like uh, General Motors will reverse course too. Yeah, I think I think General Motors, as well as a number of other automakers, have a real opportunity here. You know, more than 100 members of the House of Representatives wrote a letter to each of the major automakers asking them for their specific plans with regard to AM radio. Those responses are supposed to be in by tomorrow, close of business. Ah. So I think rather than kind of hide behind what's going on with Ford, we're going to get some more specifics around that. But I'm glad you mentioned Senator Cruz because he's been a real leader on this issue. He's introduced legislation, as you know, along with Senator Ed Markey, Democrat from Massachusetts. So this is bipartisan that would require all automobiles to have AM radio forward-looking. And I think that legislation is going to be necessary regardless of what these automakers say right now. So uh, it's um, still a challenge because uh, nobody really, uh, unless you you think you know, uh, it could be several things. They could could think about uh, what I came up with. Is that they're going to charge nine ninety nine a month for everybody to have uh, uh, radios that you get for free now, or AM radio or FM radio? Yeah, listen, I, I think if you look at what's going on in the automobile, these manufacturers want to own every touch point between the consumer and the dashboard, and radio is the one place that they don't control right now. So if they can drive consumers where their only options for media are subscription-based app services or satellite radio. They've got every interest in doing that. They can see the data, and there's a lot of business there. What's unique, as you know better than anyone, about AM and FM radio is that it's completely free to the listener. It's local. We serve communities nobody else is serving. And I think these automakers need to choose public safety and the public interest over their bottom lines. I'm confident that Washington's going to put some pressure on them to do that. Yeah, and, and uh, well, Governor Patterson has yeah, something. Governor, Governor Patterson. You know, it really is a public safety issue just in the sense that people get in their cars and they check to see where the traffic is going. If they didn't have the radio there, if they didn't have that service, uh, it would just uh, multiply the problems that we have right now, particularly in cities. But also, it's also literally it's, it is an emergency service. I mean, that's why even some of the head FEMA uh, management officials came out and supported this on all sides of the aisle. Exactly. It, it, is, it is pivotal. I mean, when I saw that, they understand, especially rural communities, 
it is when there's an alert, an emergency, literally an enormous alert, uh, an er- emergency. That is the only way to inform it's them. During the big traffic. blackout in New York, where the whole northeast region uh, was open, somebody was telling me, who was it, uh, O.B. Riley? Yes, O.B. O- uh, O'Brien. O'Brien. O- Murray O'Brien. Me, Murray O'Brien. The eight or ten people gathered around the car, the AM radio, to hear what the, why is uh, the whole northeast down. I mean, that's stunning. You can't have not have that lifeline, uh, Curtis. That's exactly right. And, you know, one element of this that people don't realize is that AM radio stations are predominantly the entry point for FEMA to get those emergency alerts out through the entire broadcast system. So whether you're getting the alert on an AM station, an FM station, or a television station, all of that is actually triggered by roughly 75 local AM stations that are entry points and start that daisy chain. So AM is just absolutely essential. Well, wow. that's true. And you think you're going to get answers tomorrow, right, Kurt? I mean, that's a big deal, right? You think the automakers, well, these, will you hear back, well, do you these, think? These, 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 these hundred members of Congress, both sides of the aisle, have requested answers tomorrow. Do I think every one of the automakers will be responsive? We'll find out. Well, But we already know that the House Energy and Commerce Committee is planning a hearing on this issue next month. So I think how these automakers respond will be reflected by what that hearing looks like. And I don't see Washington looking away from this. So we're going and, to have and a lot WABC of will, to hold their feet to the fire. WABC will lead the fight to remind everybody, don't buy a car without AM radio. We're grateful for it. Yeah, you keep the fighting. Keep us posted. By the way, let us know who doesn't reply, too. And we'll call them out here, John. Yep. <laughs> absolutely. Thank you, thank you so we much. We will absolutely do that. <laughs> thank you so much. We hope for uh, good news and have a great uh, Memorial Day weekend. You too. Thank you for all the hard work on this one. Thank you. And uh, I understand. I uh, uh, I talked to Newt Gingrich just about an hour ago because one of the smartest be guys the out there. And he has a great report. Let's go to uh, the Newt Gingrich report, and then we're going to take a break, and uh, then we'll find out what else is going on. What is today is former Speaker Newt Gingrich, and who else to give us what the heck is going on in Washington other than him? Note, you're the most knowledgeable guy I know of how Washington works. Uh, And uh, nobody really knows what's going on. Give us your pulse of the situation. Do you think there'll be a deal soon or not? With the budget. You know, I I did a lot of this negotiating when I was Speaker uh, and before that when I was the Republican whip. And uh, there's certain patterns. In fact, I, I have a new book coming out called March to the Majority, where we walked through the four years where we negotiated with Clinton. And I can tell you how this works. There's a team assigned by the president and a team assigned by Speaker McCarthy. And they're meeting all day, every day. They were meeting last night till after midnight. Uh, now, everybody else is waiting. So the speaker intelligently sent them home, uh, but told them in advance, we may call you back. And remember, uh, Speaker McCarthy had pledged that um, <clears throat> there would be 72 hours between the drafting of a bill and it getting voted on. Well, you take a bill that's complicated, write the bill, even when the agreement's done. So the members know they're probably not going to be voting before next, I would say, Wednesday or Thursday at the earliest. Um, at the same time, Biden uh, has gone back to nowhere to prove that he's not too worried. But the truth is, 
that, that he and McCarthy have a pretty good agreement that they're not going to let the system default. Uh, the Treasury can actually uh, find ways to shift money around for a while after June 1st. So although they've claimed that's the deadline, that there really are some extra days in there if they need them. Uh, my guess is that sometime in the next couple of days, you see uh, a agreement announced. And at that point, they've got to get the agreement written into legislative language. And uh, Biden's going to have to find some votes. I mean, the Senate, for example, you can't pass anything unless you get a substantial number of Democrats with the Republicans. In the House, uh, I'm not certain that McCarthy can get all to 18. You know, he only passed it by one vote going in. And there are a number of hardline conservatives who potentially left. They're implying they're not going to vote for it, which, as a practical matter, makes no sense because the truth is, you know, they're, 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 going to, they're not going to get everything. I think I think Speaker McCarthy may get 80 percent or 85 percent of what he wants, which is a pretty huge victory. My prediction is that this will be the first debt ceiling in history where they actually cut spending. In the past, they've slowed down the rate of growth. I think this year on domestic discretionary, they're going to have a real spending cut. Uh, which is a big breakthrough for fiscal conservatives. So there's a lot going on. Uh, I'm moderately optimistic that it will work out. The country clearly is on the side of Speaker McCarthy and the Republicans by about uh, 65 to uh, 25. The Biden position of passive debt ceiling with no changes is about a 24 25 percent position, according to our project, America's uh, New Majority.com. Uh, with AmericasInTheMajorityProject.com, which I recommend people go to to see all the polling. So, so it's, it's a it's a big moment. I think it'll be a successful moment, but it's not done yet. Understood. So, uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll wait and see what happens. And uh, I, you do you think uh, you know? I know none of us really know. Uh, uh, are we going to do something about the border? Um, I don't think they will in this bill, or they won't do much in this bill. Uh, there is a possibility that they will be able to transfer a good number of the new IRS agents into Border Patrol. Uh, but I suspect that's going to be another fight on another day, and maybe a tied into the appropriations process. Uh, this is, remember, this is the first of force. The second step will start uh, within a week of passing the. Uh, debt ceiling, when the House Republicans announce a budget, they'll be balanced within 10 years, which will be a huge breakthrough in fiscal policy. The third step, of course, is already underway, and that's a wave of hearings and investigations that will target agencies that need to be zeroed out. And the fourth step is going to be a big fight, I think, all fall over appropriations. And that's where we'll see a specific provision that says they have to control the border. It's almost certainly going to come up in the appropriations bills, and that's where that fight will happen. Understood. Uh, Memorial Day uh, weekend, this weekend coming. Uh, anything you want to tell the American people? How do you feel? Well, we feel pretty good about it. I think Callista and I both uh, feel like we have a got to be grateful for this Memorial Day, and uh, we really encourage every American to remember that despite whatever our problems are, um, this is an amazing country. 
We have amazing opportunity. There's a reason that we're the one country in the world that has to worry about people coming in. You know, we, we don't worry about people leaving America, but we attract people from everywhere on the planet. And that's because we have been blessed uh, with the freest uh, and most prosperous country in history. And I think there's a lot this Memorial Day, both to remember those who sacrificed for us to be free and those who worked so hard for us to be prosperous. Uh, and I'm, I'm personally, uh, we're going to be with our, our, our daughter and our son-in-law, and we're just looking forward to a real family Memorial Day weekend. Well, thank you so much. And you got a new book. Uh, it's yeah, March to the Majority, and it's available and, uh, in uh, uh, Amazon and Barnes & Nobles, I'm sure. Right. What else do you want and to tell us about the book? Well, well <clears throat> it really is the 16-year effort to create a majority and the four years of negotiating with Bill Clinton to get conservative reform signed. And I'm really excited because anybody listening to us can go to Amazon, put in March to the Majority, and there'll be a, a thing that says, uh, look inside. And if you do, you get a free chapter of the book. So you have a real chance, you have a chance for free to see what the book's all about. And I think uh, when people see it, it's not just a history book. It's kind of a cookbook of how you do things like negotiate over the debt ceiling or get tax cuts or get welfare reform. And it has a lot of very specific ideas about things that actually work. So I think March the Majority may be the most important book I've written and certainly will give people a sense of hope that we can, in fact, solve our problems. Well, Newt Gingrich, former speaker, thank you so much. Have a great weekend, and God bless America. Good. Great talking to you. Wow, what a great discussion. And, John, that blew me away about the border and the lack of border agents that's basically and, included and, and in there this. May be a, there may be a deal in there where you switch a, IRS agents into border agents. That would be nice. I'd prefer them to be in the border that's than pretty, in our break, uh, taxes. That could be breaking news. Yeah, that but, would be big. But we don't need them in the IRS. We need them at the border. Yeah, 87, and armed agents, too, by the way, armed IRS agents, too, despite what they were saying at first. By the way, John, also coming up on the show, everybody, we have Miranda Devine. She's going to talk about the IRS whistleblower and some interesting stuff on Google. I can't wait to hear your story I on that. I had lunch with Miranda, and I had lunch with that uh, gentleman, uh, professor she's going to be talking about, and there was one interesting lunch. You will not regret listening to that. That was Mind-boggling. Yeah, mind-boggling. And also Al D'Amato, who always is full of what? Full of... Uh, Vinegar. And and something else. Yes. <laughs> well, let's up. take a break right now, and we'll be right back with Paul Lunsis, and he's going to give us a report. What the heck is going on with the stock market? What a mess. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we're back. And, uh, well, what's going on in the markets? What's going on with interest rates? What's going on? Well, with us today is Paul Luntzis. Paul, are you there? I am. Tell, tell us about your company, too. You, you run, run an asset management company? Yeah, Lancis Asset Management, we're an SEC um, registered investment advisor. We manage uh, separate accounts for primarily wealthy families and high net worth individuals who buy individual securities for them. Now, it seems like people are walking around. Uh, half the people think the rates are still going to go up. Half the people say that the, the Fed is going to pause. Uh, which half are you in? 
You know, John, I don't think anybody knows. Um, I, I read a stat the other day that 33% think they're going to raise them in June, um, only 33%. But the, the bigger issue is long-term, how long will rates stay elevated? Because there's so much debt out there in many cases at the corporate level and the government level. That's really the question. How long will rates stay elevated? That's even more significant than will they continue to raise them, which, you know, I, I don't think – I think the end is near. I don't know when that'll be, but I, I just don't think they're going to have to raise them significantly more than where they are now. It, it seems like uh, uh, it, it just seems I've never seen it in 40 years of uh, being financial markets. I've never seen it uh, like this. Have you? No, the, the financial markets, John, are, are responding to so many different issues going on out there. Many companies, Lowe's, Home Depot, and many others, even though they may have beaten earnings expectations for the first quarter, many of them are reducing their earnings and revenue estimates going forward. And that's certainly having an impact on the market. The second is these elevated interest rates are impacting how people view um, you know, what's going to happen going forward. It's had a huge effect. Look what it's done to the banking industry, the unrealized losses on their uh, fixed income portfolios, etc. I still think there's still a lot of fear out there. And then finally, people are concerned about a recession. You know, is a recession, you know, just around the corner. So you put all that in. And then finally, on the short term side, you've got the debt ceiling crisis. Um, people are very concerned about that. I remember back in August of 11 when that happened, the market went down 20%. So, uh, um, look, we're six, this is that Cox ball. So, uh, within six days, according to Secretary Yellen, we hit the wall, right? Yet the markets don't seem to be reacting, reacting at all. Is that because that is an artificial date, uh, perhaps? Or is it that uh, people think there's going to be a resolution of it before the, in the next six days? Look, if there is a resolution, how do they get it passed through Congress, et cetera? I agree with that, Ed, but I, I think people always think that they'll respond at the last minute and get something done. I think that's what they think. Um, but I, I do think people are concerned. Um, people are concerned about the debt ceiling crisis. And, you know, the, the, the reality is the markets just continued to chug. But a lot of it's because those first quarter earnings have been pretty good. But mo many companies, though, have forecast going forward not um, some of the earnings estimates they had at the beginning of the year. Estimates have kept coming down for many of the companies. So if it does hit, the, if, if in fact we do hit the, the credit limit uh, law uh, le level, when does the market go down? Twenty percent the last time around. No, I understand uh, what uh, Newt Gingrich said that there's uh, Yellen, uh, the Treasury Secretary. There's some money there that they can play with. So I think they're good for another so, probably so artificial deadline. Five to artificial ten days. Artificial deadline. So yeah. politics, right? right? Politics, yeah, right? It's strong arming that the Secretary the of Treasury from played the politics. Come on, Rita. <laughs> Anything else you want to tell uh, the American people? No, I just think that um, hopefully they'll resolve this debt ceiling crisis. I mean, there's $25 billion in Social Security benefits that have to be paid out June 2nd. So hopefully they'll re resolve this, and hopefully interest rates are going to stop going up, and hopefully inflation's going to start declining even more rapidly than it has so that we can get you know things moving forward again in a positive way. Paul Luntz, thank you so much for coming on, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now, uh, Rita, um, have you had any phone calls? You had a great uh, interview with Governor Cuomo. 
Thank and, you. Uh, and Gov Patterson thought it was a good interview. He Governor just told Patterson, me. What did you think of that? I thought that um, <clears throat> Rita went right to some of the central issues that have uh, caused the governor harm in the past couple of years. But I thought she did very respectfully. Uh, sometimes when you're a high-profile figure or a, a, a major politician, it's an opportunity for the media person to take advantage of you or be insulting and that kind of thing. None of that happened. Um, I don't think all of her questions got answered, but... I but I tried. Had, but but I asked them over and over and over and over again. How's that? I mean, we had a couple of people that were really mad. One of them being uh, the weather girl. But I'm going to say her name. Yes, Janice please. Dean. I like the lady. She's you know look she 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 had losses and I understand that and and I feel bad for those losses. But she's always welcome to come on to WABC. And I won't call you weather girl girl again. I'll just I'll mention your name. Very, and by the way, we have invited her continuously. Yes. She she Always offered invited. she offered other people, and we said, "Come on with them," because we'd like to hear from her. Right. She's been yeah. the most vocal, the, the vocal. most outspoken, and 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 we feel for all of and them. I and also invited some it's of those important lawyers to hear from that, Janice and everybody. By I the also way. invited some of those lawyers that are defending uh, the people that uh, uh, that died, and the other ones that that are that are. Uh, Protecting. Well, that's what, John, you have all sides. And the other thing, too, John, after we did the interview. everybody has the right to speak. thousand percent. And, John, you know my show at 10 o'clock here on WABC. We took two hours of wall-to-wall calls. And we got calls from yeah, many family members. Of the people thought you did the right thing. Thought I did the right thing and, and thought I was fair but tough. And I feel like as a journalist, that's all you can ask okay, for. And we welcome Janice and everybody. Let's see. We got, uh, we're going into a break. And, and we have Miranda Devine. And we had, me and Miranda had an interesting lunch the other day with the uh, person Epstein that she's going to be talking about, Professor Epstein or... Professor and, Robert Epstein. No Robert relation Epstein. to Jeffrey. Right? I asked. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, let's take that break and we'll be back with Miranda Devine. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. And let's bring in Miranda Devine now, of course, the great New York Post columnist. And, John, you had an amazing, uh, was it like a lunch and dinner where she was blowing the lid? And this is in the column uh, about Google. Talk about no, this. No, we had a very interesting, uh, me and Miranda and about uh, 12 people, the, the round table 12 people, uh, and uh, Nina Rosenwald, uh, uh uh, hosted it, I think. From um, Gatestone Institute. Yes, Gatestone yep. Institute. And uh, I'm going to let Miranda talk because I thought it was really interesting. And uh, uh, I, 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 let's see, uh, Miranda, how how much credibility does this guy have? 
Uh, hi, John. Hi, Rita. Hi, everyone. Um, look, I think Dr. Robert Epstein, he's been um, researching Google for the last 10 years. He has a Harvard PhD. He's a research psychologist. He was editor-in-chief of Psychology Today. Um, he's had learned papers published in all sorts of the top scientific journals. So I don't think that his scientific bona fides can be challenged. Um, and I think, you know, what he says, I guess you have to take with a little grain of salt because some of the numbers that he talks about Google being able to switch votes at this massive scale, millions and millions of votes uh, before the 2016 election and before the 2020 election, um, that's the only place where I'm a little yeah. sceptical. Well, what numbers. I remember him mentioning... Uh, it's like every once in a while, Google will will come up on the Google page where you type in what you want to look for. Uh, it will come up with a statement like, uh, don't forget to go vote. And the insinuation uh, he gave that it's only, um, uh, uh, it says go out and get votes only in Democratic counties. Wow. That's that's a blockbuster. So it's like rigged to not draw is, attention well, that's to what the insinuation was. Is, yeah. I want to know what Miranda feels. Yes. In fact, it's even worse than that, because Google has gathered so much surveillance data on each one of its users that they know if you are a registered Democrat, if you're a registered Republican, if you're sitting on the fence. And so what Dr. Epstein has been able to see by looking over the shoulders of thousands of recruits that he has around the country, just sort of like the Nielsen uh, TV ratings, he's been able to see exactly what Google presents to various demographics. And he sees that person by person, they have tailored these get out the vote messages just to, you know, uh, Democrats um, or people they think are going to vote Democrat. And they've not done that, at least not as much, to conservatives. And, um, you know, that that does that would make a difference, I think. I'm not sure it makes as much of a difference as he says, but I'm sure it does make a difference. And, look, in the 2020 election, it was decided on, I think, 45,000 votes in three states. So uh, these kind of manipulations by big tech uh, do make a difference. Uh, well, we have, we Facebook Facebook helped a little bit by spending five hundred million dollars uh, or something like that in in five states. Yeah, and also, what about the Hunter Biden story? Which, of course, you know all too well, Miranda. I mean, the suppression of that was unbelievable. I mean, think about John. We've talked about it. Think about how much different it might have been. There have been polls that have come out afterwards. Five hundred million in five states. Yes, that money and, and money. changing of the technology. Yeah, all of that has an impact. You're all shocked that Google. Well, but let me tell you, as chairman of the, the state party yeah, here go in ahead, New York, Cox. we do this all the time. But we're supposed to do it. Right. You're already you're <laughs> there's a way to party. do it. Right. Google shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Or at least admit that they're well, doing it. If exactly. Indeed, that's the case. You know, and the, the other thing that came transparency. Up, Rita, the other thing that came up was the fact that uh, he feels his wife was murdered. Oh, wow. And why does he think that's the case? Because of this or Miranda what? Was Miranda was next to him. Um, yes, look, he mentioned his wife died in a car crash and he felt that there were suspicious circumstances in that. Um, I, I don't think there's enough evidence. I didn't mention it in the story because I think, you know, it just is a big giant rabbit hole and, um, yeah, we, we don't know. I mean, it's, uh, that's what he said. That's what he said. Police, I mean, we're not reporting that. No. Judge Weinberg? Police, yeah. 
Hi, Miranda. It's Richard Weinberg. The other, Hi, how are you? Good. The other interesting part of your article, you're talking about how when you do research on Google, they send you in a direction for certain kind of reporting, so you get a more liberal slant or a more left slant on the articles they're sending you to. Is that correct? Yes. In fact, it's YouTube, and this is particularly insidious because, of course, kids are using YouTube and uh, they, they look at um, material on their devices, not so much on computers. And so he's managed to, this Dr. Epstein's managed to find a way to see also what children are seeing, and they find that with adults, the suggested videos to come next are, um, I think, 76% um, liberal sources. For children, it's 96%. So they're, they're in interfering and involving themselves in trying to brainwash and manipulate our children's wow. opinions and views and what they can see. Um, and, and, you know, you can imagine what sort of woke material is on the videos that Google is deliberately um, steering our children towards. It's not healthy and it's about steering them away from sort of wholesome uh, what we would expect to be child-friendly, child-appropriate material. Wow, that's amazing. Judge Weinberg, you got another question. I well, see that. Miranda, I was, I was amazed because I thought I, I follow this stuff fairly carefully, and I knew about Facebook and I knew about Twitter, but I didn't know this manipulation by Google. I think you really have a blockbuster of a report there. That was very compelling, and it's very troubling. Look, it really is, and I think Google has got off scot-free while we've been rightly um, criticising and uh, digging into what Facebook and Twitter has done with the help of Elon Musk now that he's bought Twitter and opened the books, basically. So we saw um, up close the manipulations. We saw the evidence of you know, the FBI basically being hired by big tech, F, you know, former FBI people, and they were uh, intervening and telling uh, Facebook and Twitter what to do. But, um, you know, why would we think that Google would be any different? We don't know what's happening on the inside, but we have had some leaks over time. And particularly after the 2016 election, when there was a meltdown at Google about Donald Trump winning, despite their best efforts. A meltdown over Donald Trump? I can't imagine, right? (laughs) Miranda, one last thing, but uh, we don't really have any answers. But uh, uh, we were talking about whether it was last night's dinner or or Tuesday's lunch about artificial intelligence. And as a former computer programmer, I said, that's a lot of crap. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I, think we should, I think we should look into it further and because uh, I think artificial intelligence is only as good as the programmer and the algorithms that they uh, form on it. A hundred percent, John. And I, too, am a very long ago former computer programmer, not a very good one. But um, so I understand, as you do, that it's really garbage in, garbage out. Yes. Wow. It, it, and it's very easy for 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 those uh uh, MIT graduates and Harvard graduates and whatever to to fool people that don't know anything about computers. And if you look, if you try Chat GPT right now, it is terrifying. This is the the new AI sort of chatbot, and it's quite sophisticated. But it actually lies. I spend a, a day going through it. I intend to write a column about it um, and asking it questions, right. and it gave back just. Total disinformation, total left-wing garbage. And then when I challenged it, it lied. Wow. 
Wow. Well, I, I stand next to you, Miranda. Have a great weekend. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thank you, Miranda. And I didn't know you were a, com- a former computer programmer. That's amazing. Yes, well, you know, I, I did. I was. I did a maths degree, so, um, but that's so long ago I've forgotten it. A woman of many talents. We love you. Thank you, Miranda. And John, too. Thank you. That's great. So we now mean- we've learned a new term, the artificial lie. Yeah. Artificial <laughs> lie. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's go to uh, Mark Siegel. Yeah, Dr. Mark Siegel. And, and you've got some interesting stuff as we're talking about social media, about I, I, teams I to, and social to, media. Yeah, I want to get to that, but I first want to comment on Miranda, who I, I think the world of, and I, I wish I had her accent. I wish I could buy it. And, 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 and How number about two, Number two, no, uh, she's right. right about artificial intelligence lying. And by the way, ChatGPT just failed the gastroenterology boards. I'm happy they failed something because they passed the radiology boards. But I think the question is, does, does your doctor lie or only or only ChatGPT lying? I'm not sure. I mean, there's too much lying everywhere these days. But ChatGTP is, needs a lot of work. And artificial intelligence is a very exciting research tool for medicine. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. But it needs to be a co-pilot, not a pilot. It's something we can use to gather more information quickly, not something yeah, that should get it, out of control. Use, and take our place. It can be used as a checkoff list on everything and give, yes. and give the doctor recommendations of what the, on the checkoff list so the doctor doesn't miss anything. But to make a, 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 an, a, an intelligent uh, decision... I'm not sure we have computers that are capable of doing that. Yeah, that are neutral. They, they, you they, know? We, we, we have programmers that can create al- algorithms to put it into a direction. But to actually create a, uh, an artificial intelligence uh, in the way we know intelligence, uh, the way our brains work, Right. No. And the human touch, too. With John. And Maybe the doctor's touch, too. No, uh, by the way, I completely said. agree with John, maybe with the exception of the Fed. I mean, the way our economy is going, maybe we could just stick a computer in there and do better. We, we, I don't we, know. We would definitely do better. <laughs> uh, Dr. Siegel, Ed Cox, so you said that uh, that artificial intelligence uh, actually passed the radiology boards. They took them, they answered the questions, That's people graded them, and it passed? Yeah, but but listen, look at the difference between radiology and some of the more clinical pursuits. I mean, radiology, uh, and I still think with radiology, John is right that even with radiology, I want a radiologist there. But you know, but you know, the the research tools for radiology are accumulating mass databases and making comparisons and predictions that are based on actual real imaging, so they can be very very helpful. One example is uh, Sybil up at Harvard is actually looking at science that may pre go before lung cancer. In other words, signs that occur before you ever get lung cancer, and they ended up with about an 85% accuracy rate. Another point that they made up at Harvard, uh, Dr. Bradella told me that they're using uh, artificial intelligence to look inside bones for the amount of fat you have there on CAT scans that were, t- that were done to look at livers or kidneys, and they accumulate so much data that they can actually relook at it using computers. But the information then has to be interpreted by doctors. Well, so radiology, I think it can help a lot. And that's my point, Dr. Siegel. Um, you know, and, and I think what Ed and John were hitting at, too, is that you still they can have the information. But I still want to have that human touch, you know, and, 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 a, and a person, you have to customize it and, and know the person. There's so many things, as you know, as a doctor, to just say, hey, I'm going to give it to AI. I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. 
completely, completely agree with that. You know, and the, and the analogy I use is the co-pilot. Again, you want the, the computer. Nobody here, nobody would vote for a computer landing a plane. I wouldn't want to be on that plane. But, you know, but the computer giving giving instrument readings to to, to pilots is, is, is an advantage. Same in the operating room. Somebody's asking me, are we going to have computers operating? Never, never. But artificial intelligence belongs in the operating room assembling data for the surgeon to use. Well, and by the way, speaking of um, uh, pilots, John's a pilot. He's going to have to tell you his, he's got some good stories about being a pilot someday. Uh, we'll, we'll tell you over the next dinner. <laughs> oh, I, can we fly there to the next dinner? Absolutely. <laughs> John could do it. John could do it. Well, many times we've flown to Montreal for dinner. Many times we flew to Bermuda for dinner. You told a good story at the book event the other day, uh, the Vegas landing. <laughs> Margo was laughing. <laughs> you had some oh, good well, we, uh, <laughs> we took off from San Diego Airport and... Uh, uh, we were going over um, uh, the Rocky Mountains, and we were at 31,000 feet, and we lost the right engine. Wow. And? But it has a happy ending. The single ending. engine performance <laughs> on that Hawker jet was 23,000 feet, and the, uh, and, the rock, uh, and the mountains were at 26,000 feet. And so oh, what right. happened? You were, and give us the, we, give us the we, happy ending. We declare an emergency. We're going to go into Phoenix Airport. All the passengers were yelling and screaming, why are we going to Phoenix? Let's go to Las Vegas. <laughs> and then you had, no, but he, he, had to, he had to call Margo and say, uh, we got rerouted to Las Vegas. She was like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw her at the book party, too, but she didn't say one bit of this, by the way. Anyway, you wanted you wanted to ask me about social media, right? Go ahead. Tell yeah, us. real quick, if you could, Doctor. So, so I interviewed the Surgeon General about that this week, and he's he's actually onto something here. He says the tech companies and that the uh, the social media companies don't pony up the data; that it's deliberately addicting kids and teens. That they get addicted. Maybe they think they're joining a group that has their interests at heart, but then they get bullied, and they get and the aggression goes up, and the depression. The, the more you're on social media, the more depressed you get. And 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 I think that the solution involves doctors too. It involves families. It involves doctors. It involves more in-person time, less social media time. But I think the biggest point that's coming up here is it's a generational thing. My kids are a little older and they laugh at this. But if you've got a 10-year-old now, you've got a problem. Yeah, that is a big, big issue. Well, Dr. Mark Siegel, thank you so much. We love having you here on the show, and now you know that John's a pilot and also a computer programmer as well. well you got I'm it, right? I'm going with him on, on a plane flight, but he better have both engines. That's all I have to say. <laughs> good advice. And go to Vegas with him, too. He's good at gambling, too, by the way. Oh, my way. God, yeah. Thank, <laughs> all right. Thank you, Dr. Mark Siegel. We appreciate it. And uh, joining us now, uh, we have the one and only Senator Al D'Amato, uh, senior senator, of course, the former senior senator, the beloved and fiery one here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, senator, uh, we're so happy to have you here. I know you want to talk first off about the announcement. Uh, Ron DeSantis throwing his name in the ring, him and Trump. Uh, the latest polls still show Trump is way far ahead. But what did you make of the announcement? Well, it's unfortunate that the um, apparatus broke down. <laughs> but, but you know, he overcame it. I think he did a great job when he was on TV, made a terrific presentation. Um, and um, I think he, he's a guy with the goods. And um, he can do the job. And, and, and I, I want to point out something. Our country is in terrible shape, terrible. 
And, and I, I think that the former president uh, did a terrific job. But at the end, he screwed up royally. He carried on like a lunatic. And you had a lunatic on, uh, and he's on your program regularly, John, Rudy Giuliani, who helped screw him up during the campaign. They blew the campaign. All they had to do is put Joe Biden on, who, when he appeared before the Council on Foreign Relations, the New York Council, as the former vice president, just out of office, on stage, bragging about how he went to the Ukraine, bragging about how he said. Oof, did we lose you there? Senator, call back. I think we lost you there. But he was talking about, remember that moment, John, uh, the, the Ukraine Senator prosecutor. Back. Yeah, where he's getting him back. But remember the moment I we talked about I think that was uh, the artificial intelligence of Google it shutting the senator down. <laughs> Uh-oh, that's right. He's a Republican. Anybody. Yeah, know. That's right. That's right. By the way, the Council of Foreign Relations in New York, the one where is it, 74th, 75th? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I applied. They shot me down. What? They don't. They don't like somebody with piloting and computer programming in their know. background. Uh, Ed, they shot me down. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know. Well, Senator, you know, I, I applied for membership to the Council of Foreign Relations. They shot me down. Let me just tell you this: what took place there was a disgrace. Okay, and 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 I'll tell you why. Um. First of all, here's Biden bragging about how he went to the Ukraine and how he said to them, I'm going to leave in six hours. And if in six hours you don't fire this prosecutor. And you know who the prosecutor was? Who? Huh? He was prosecuting. Who do you think he was prosecuting? Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden's company. Cut out. Burisma. Trump Biden's company. Yep, Burisma. And, and guess what? He laughs. He says, <laughs> they fired him. He laughs. Sure. And he gave him the billion dollars. He blackmailed them into firing the prosecutor who was investigating Hunter Biden's company. Okay? Is that amazing? That is amazing. Now, if you had run those ads, and that showing Biden doing this, it would have creamed them. Only 10% of the Americans heard about that. They would have run away with it. Instead, what did the idiots do? They sent Rudy Giuliani, who after the election was lost, ran around screaming with Trump, and Trump like a madman. And by the way, he did a great job as president, but he really screwed up at the end. When he lost, blaming this one, that one, the other one, they they went to how many courts? Republican judges, Democratic judges. They never won one case. Rudy, the mastermind. And what did he do? He helped screw up for the president when he went to the Ukraine with one crook who they sent to jail. All right, looking for evidence, and then they turned that around on him, trying to. On, on that the president was trying to do things. So they blew the election when they could have won the election just by showing that here he was bragging about how the president... And by the way, you should look at that film. 
I've seen the film. And by the way, yeah, that was at the Council that on Foreign Relations. Yes. yes. That was the election, for Christ's sake. You know, I got to tell you now something. let me tell you who we, you know, who's a hero. Uh, Senator D'Amato is getting you. excited, but he's telling the truth. Tell you who he, well, listen, I heard a whole lot of shit when you were supposed to put me on earlier. Whoops. Okay. Whoops. <laughs> I mean, we might have believed that, I think. Uh, I think we did. Truth. I heard a whole lot of garbage, and I had something to say. This on what? Something. Let me tell you who a hero, and nobody tells you what a hero he is. And what we avoided, we would have had a revolution were not for the former vice president, Mike Pence. He's a very yeah. decent person. Yes. Idiot. He didn't go along with the idiots. Do you know what would have happened if he had tried to turn that around? Yeah, it, it would have been stupid at that point. At that point, it would have been stupid. At that point, we would have had chaos like this country hasn't had since we had the Civil War. I mean, Mike Pence is a hero. Well, Senator, thank you. We love love you, Senator. Come back again. We love you. Well, I want to finish by making one observation. Go ahead. The only person who incompetent Biden could be is Trump. Okay? You got Scott running. You got DeSantis running. You got any one of them, they can win. Trump? Senator, we're gonna we're gonna sort he, it out, and me and you will always be on the same side. Biden can be. Thank and you. We better wake up, America. Thank you so okay. much, Senator. Thank. And by thank the way, you. he talked about Pence. Uh, Pence is doing a town hall with CNN and uh, Nikki yeah. Haley. Pence is a hero, but I don't think he he can win an election. Okay. Thank you, uh, Senator D'Amato. Uh, the best senator. Okay. Uh, Boy, he's all, he did have uh, blank and, and blank. And, <laughs> and what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and the American, American way. way. God bless America. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.